Chapter Twenty Four of the Golden Dream. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Golden Dream by R. M. Ballantyne. Chapter Twenty Four. Ned decides on visiting San Francisco. Larry pays a visit and receives a severe disappointment. THE ROAD AND THE CITY UNEXPECTED NEWS Few joys in this life are altogether without alloy. The delight experienced by Larry O'Neill and Captain Bunting when they heard the hearty tones of Ned Sinton's voice, and the satisfaction with which they beheld his face when, in their anxiety to prevent his falling headlong into the hole, they both sprang out of the tent and rushed into his arms, were somewhat damped on their observing that Tom Collins was not with him but their anxieties were speedily relieved on learning that Tom was at Sacramento City, and, it was to be hoped, doing well. As Ned had eaten nothing on the day of his arrival since early morning, the first care of his friends was to cook some food for him, and Larry took special care to brew for him, as soon as possible, a stiff tumbler of hot brandy and water, which, as he was wet and weary, was particularly acceptable. While enjoying this over the fire in front of the tent, Ned related the adventures of himself and Tom Collins circumstantially, in the course of which narration he explained what the reader does not yet know, how that after Tom had recovered from his illness sufficiently to ride, he had conducted him by easy stages to the banks of the great San Joaquin River, down which they had proceeded by boat until they reached Sacramento. Here Ned saw him comfortably settled in the best room of the best hotel in the town, and then, purchasing the largest and strongest horse he could find, he set off in spite of the reins to let his comrades know that they were both safe, and in Ned's case at least, sound. And now, with reference to that letter. "'Ah, that letter,' echoed the captain. "'That's what I've been wanting you to come to. What can it mean?' "'I am as ignorant of that as yourself,' answered Ned. If it had only been you who were mentioned in the letter, I could have supposed that your old ship had been relaunched and refitted, and had made a successful voyage to China during your absence. But as I left no property of any kind in San Francisco, and had no speculations afloat, I cannot conceive what it can be. Maybe, suggested Larry, they've heard of our remarkable talents up here in the diggings, and they've been successful in getting us appointed to responsible situations in the new government i've heard they're setting up down there i wouldn't object to be prime minister myself if they'd only allow me enough clerks to do the work and did you say you were all ready for a start to-morrow captain inquired ned quite We've disposed of the claims and tools for fifteen hundred dollars and we sold our wow along with a lot that's to say he remains a fixture at the same wage, and the little we meant to take with us is stowed away in our saddlebags. You see, I couldn't foresee that you'd plump down on us in this fashion, and I felt that the letter was urgent and not to be acted on at once. You did quite right, returned Ned. What a pity I missed seeing Bill Jones at Sacramento. But the city has grown so much and become so populous in a few months that two friends might spend a week in it unknown to each other without chancing to meet. And now, as to the gold, have you been successful since I left? Oi, broke in Larry, that have we. It's a great country entirely for men whose bones and muscles are made of iron. We've dug forty thousand dollars, eight thousand pounds out of that same hole in the tent. 
for by spraining the ankles and well nigh breaking the legs of eight or ten miners. It's sorry I'll be to leave it, but after all it's a sickly place, so I'm content to go. By the way, Larry, that reminds me, I met a friend of yours at the other end of the settlement. I believe you, answered Larry. Every man in the creek's me friend. They'd die for me, they would, if I only axed them. Aye, but a particular friend, named Kate, who— Ugh! You don't mean it, cried the Irishman, starting up with an anxious look. Sure, they lived up in the dark glen there, and they went off one fine day, and I've never been able to hear of them since. They are not very far off, continued Ned, detailing his interview with the brother and sister, and expressing a conviction that the former could not now be in life. Well, go down to-night, said Larry, drawing on his heavy boots. You better wait till to-morrow, suggested the captain. The poor thing will be in no humour to see any one to-night, and we can make a halt near the hut for an hour or so. Larry, with some reluctance, agreed to this delay, and the rest of the evening was spent by the little party in making preparations for a start on the following day. But difficulties arose in the way of settling with the purchasers of their claims, so that another day passed ere they got fairly off on their journey towards Sacramento. On reaching the mouth of the little creek, Larry O'Neill galloped ahead of his companions and turned aside at the little hut, the locality of which Sinton had described to him minutely. Springing off his horse, he threw the reins over a bush and crossed the threshold. It is easier to conceive than to describe his amazement and consternation on finding the place empty. Dashing out, he vaulted into the saddle and almost galloped through the doorway of the nearest hut in his anxiety to learn what had become of his friend. "'Hello, stranger!' shouted a voice from within. "'No thoroughfare this way, and I wouldn't advise you for to go and try for to make one.' "'Ah, oh, countryman, where's the sick Irishman and his sister going that live close to you here?' "'Well, I ain't a countryman of yourn, I guess, but I can answer a civil question. "'They're gone. "'The man's dead, and the gal took him away in a cart, day before yesterday.' "'Gone? Took him away in a cart?' echoed Larry, while he looked aghast at the man. "'Are you sure?' "'Well, I couldn't be sure. "'I made the coffin for him, and helped to lift it into the cart.' "'But where have they gone to?' to sacramento i guess i advised her not to go but she mumbled something about not having him buried in such a wild place and laying him in a churchyard so i gave her the loan of fifty dollars it was all i could spare for she hadn't a rap she borrowed the horse and cart from a countryman who was going to sacramento at any rate you're a trump you are cried larry with energy give us your hand me boy Oh, then your parents were Irish, I'll be bound. Now, here's your fifty dollars back again with compound interest to boot, though I don't know exactly what that is. I didn't ask you for the fifty dollars, said the man somewhat angrily. Who are you that offers em? I'm her, her friend, answered Larry in some confusion. Her intimate friend. I might almost say a sort of distant relation, only not quite that. "'Well, if that's all, I guess I'm as much a friend as you,' said the man, re-entering his cabin and shutting the door with a bang. Larry sighed, dropped the fifty dollars into his leather purse, and galloped away. The journey down to Sacramento, owing to the flooded state of the country, was not an easy one. 
It took the party several days' hard riding to accomplish it, and during all that time Larry kept a vigilant lookout for Kate Morgan and the cart, but neither of them did he see. Each day he felt certain he would overtake them, but each evening found him trying to console himself with the reflection that a stern chase is proverbially a long one, and that next day would do it. Thus they struggled on, and finally arrived at the city of Sacramento without having set eyes on the wanderer. Poor Larry little knew that, having gone with a man who knew the road thoroughly, Kate, although she travelled slowly, had arrived there the day before him, while Ned had lengthened the road by unwittingly making a considerable and unnecessary detour. Still less did he know that at the very hour he arrived in the city, Kate, with her sad charge, embarked on board a small river steamer, and was now on her way to San Francisco. As it was, Larry proposed to start back again, supposing they must have passed them, but on second thoughts he decided to remain where he was and make inquiries. So the three friends pushed forward to the city hotel to make inquiries after Tom Collins. "'Mr. Collins,' said the waiter, bowing to Sinton, "'he's gone, sir, about a week ago.' "'Gone?' exclaimed Ned, turning pale. "'Yes, sir, gone down to San Francisco.' He saw some advertisement or other in the newspaper and started off by the next steamer. Ned's heart beat freely again. Was he well when he left? Yes, sir, pretty well. He would have been the better of a longer rest, but he was quite fit to travel, sir. Captain Bunting, who during this colloquy had been standing with his legs apart and his eyes glaring at the waiter as if he had been mad, gave a prolonged whistle but made no further remark. At this moment Larry, who had been conversing with one of the underwaiters, came rushing in with a look of desperation on his countenance. "'Wad ja believe it!' he cried, throwing himself down on a splendid crimson sofa that seemed very much out of keeping with the dress of the rough miners whom it was meant to accommodate. "'Wad ja believe it! They're gone!' "'Who are gone, and where to?' inquired Ned. "'Kate and, and the coffin. Off to San Francisco be all that's unlucky!' and only went little more nor an hour ago. The three friends looked at each other. Waiter, said Captain Bunting in a solemn voice, bear chops for three, pipes and backy for six, and a brandy smash for one. And do you hear, let it be stiff. Yes, sir. A loud laugh from Ned and Larry relieved their overexcited and pent-up feelings, and both agreed that, under the circumstances, the captain's order was the best that could be given at that stage of their perplexities. Having ascertained that there was not another steamer to San Francisco for a week, they resolved to forget their anxieties as much as possible, and enjoy themselves in the great city of Sacramento during the next few days while they instituted inquiries as to what had become of their comrade, Bill Jones, who they concluded must still be in the city, as they had not met him on the way down. End of chapter 24